Hello, and welcome to the very first Field Nation AMA, or Ask Me Anything, with Field Nation founder and CEO, Manuel Khan. My name is Melissa Fonensteel, and I'm on the marketing team here at Field Nation. I am excited for the opportunity to have this conversation with Manuel and to be able to ask him the questions that you, our technician audience, brought forth. Uh, I wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone who submitted a question for this AMA. We received hundreds of really great questions, and while we won't have time to answer every single one today, we uh, are zeroing in on the ones that we received multiple times or the ones that we think apply to most of our audience. So if we don't get to your question today, don't worry. You will have a chance to submit more questions next quarter when we bring my Newell back for another AMA. One quick housekeeping note before we jump in, we're gonna be posting this recording to a webpage and we'll also post a transcript of the questions that we discussed today, as well as any links we share. So you'll have them for easy reference. So without further ado, let's get to your questions. Hi, Manuel, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Melissa, great to be, great to be with you. So the first question I wanna ask Manuel is, why did you wanna do an AMA in the first place? So Melissa, as you know, a few months ago, we got together with about, I think 10 or 15 technicians. And in that meeting, we learned incredible amount of things uh, from those technicians, you know, what works, what doesn't work, uh, what they value, uh, where they see opportunity for us to get better. Um, and, you know, I found it incredibly inspiring. And right after our first meeting, um, I remember reaching out and asking, how can we be in front of more technicians and engineers, our providers, and how can I personally listen to them more directly and stay connected with our community directly and um, have a direct dialogue with our community? And that led us uh, to this podcast where our community um, are sending us, you know, questions um, that they have in their minds, and I have the opportunity to share my thoughts with them. And um, you know, I I like our community to know um, the people behind the company, uh, and it's not just a logo and the software. Uh, we are incredibly passionate about what we do. Uh, we don't always get things right. Uh, we certainly don't have all the questions, uh, you know, answers, uh, but I know our community uh, can help us find answers and help us get better, uh, make better product uh, for them. Uh, this is why I'm doing it. I'm so excited. Uh, this is an opportunity uh, for me to be in front of the community that we serve. So on that note, Manuel, I feel like a lot of folks in our community don't know the Field Nation origin story, and it's it's a really good one. So can you quickly share how you got started in the IT business in the first place? It's it's an accident. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm a software engineer by education, uh, but how I got started in this field service uh, business is a complete accident. Um, I knew nothing about this business. Uh, but I'm a builder in heart. Um, I love working on problems that I find meaningful. And uh, right after my graduation uh, from college, I met a few people who were managing field service projects, and I saw incredible inefficiencies in, 
in field service work management. And it comes in two forms. This inefficiencies come in two forms. One is, you know, finding the right talent is incredibly difficult. Um, so larger companies would, you know, outsource uh, to uh, smaller companies and, and uh, they would turn around and outsource to the next tier down and they would turn around to the next tier down and so forth. Um, and it takes hours and days to find and verify technicians' qualification. Uh, a lot of time is wasted in this process. And what happens is that, you know, these companies who really need the job done, they will pay a lot of money to somebody who said, hey, I can solve your problem finding technician. But then the reality is that those guys don't have the, the local technician uh, in their Rolodex, so they will turn around and outsource to the next tier down. And, and so the company who really needed the job done will spend a lot of money, and the technician who can really get the job done um, would make a very little money, and a lot of money will be wasted in the in the in the process. And uh, so that's that's one uh, you know big problem that I saw. And the other problem was that uh, in a, you know it's incredibly inefficient to manage large scale field service pro uh, project or service calls. Uh, people would you know use Excel spreadsheet and Outlook and Notepad and anything they can find. And coming from the software engineering background, I thought, this is crazy. Uh, there is, uh, there has to be a better way to do this. And if we can connect businesses that really need the job done and the, and the local engineers who can get this, who has the skill to do it, and if we can connect them together, uh, the companies can save more money, technicians can make more money, and, and, and we can make a, a software uh, that makes the whole process extremely efficient, seamless, uh, and, and better for everybody. So from day one, our mission and our purpose has been to, you know, break the barriers to work so we can unleash opportunities for everybody. And we have been working on this uh, mission from day one. Am I correct in in hearing once that that inspiration struck you when you were in a coffee shop and you happened to look at someone who was managing a large scale field service project and you saw their massive spreadsheet and you thought, oh my goodness, there there has to be a better way. Yeah, I, I met people in a coffee shop and they were managing you know large projects and and using Excel and Notepads, whatever they could find, making calls. Uh, using yellow yellow pages and stuff like that. I mean, that was that was really uh, the inspiration. That like, well, we could do better. We can do much better than this. So here's a throwback question to maybe your software engineering days in college. But um, one of our techs wanted to know, what's your favorite coding language? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's C and C plus uh, plus. I, I know it's not a common language anymore it's not an abstract language it's a you know more close to the machine language and uh you know i never got hooked into high level abstract languages and i don't think fn phil nation has uh, a single line of c or c plus plus i found 
incredibly talented partner uh, uh, who later become our CTO. Uh, so if any credit goes to Phil Nation technology, that is definitely not me. That's, that's, uh, there are a lot of people behind the scene. But uh, yeah, my, my language was C, C++, always loved it. Um, but uh, we, don't, we don't use it at Phil Nation. To shift gears a little bit, um, we had a couple of questions about what we see coming in 2021 compared to 2020. So a question came in, based on the amount of work you see on the platform, how is 2021 shaping up so far compared to 2020? And what predictions do you have for the rest of 2021? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. We we are we have been living in this uncertain period for last you know 12, 16 months. Um, uh, but uh, let me start with this. We we uh, published a great um, kind of a year end uh, article on our blog uh, where we kind of showed you know what we've done last year and so forth. Uh, but the summary of it is that. You know, in 2019, we did about a million work. And in 2020, we did a uh, little less than a million work, about 900 to be precise, which is incredible given that, you know, this global pandemic and shutdown of economy and, and all that. Uh, if you ask me, you know, would we have, would we be doing a, a close to a million work in April when everything started to shut down? I would say there's no way. Uh, but we did. Um, the 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 marketplace recovered really well in the second, third, and fourth quarter, uh, especially third and fourth quarter of last year. You know, in the Q1 of this year, we are about 10% above uh, 2019, but we are still uh, slightly below the Q1 of 2020 last year. Um, and the reason being, you know, this year is still, you know, if you look at December, January, February, there's still a lot of uncertainty. COVID cases were going up. Some states started to shut down and um, and stuff like that. But we are incredibly hopeful, optimistic about the balance of the year. And and there are a couple of reasons behind it. Um, what happened, you know, we do a lot of retail work, obviously, uh, as the pandemic hit. Uh, we saw many businesses started to moving their infrastructure spend uh, from the you know investing in in-store retail to e-commerce, and they underinvested, uh, grossly underinvested in uh, retail store infrastructure. And as we get closer to you know the end of the pandemic, uh, we are seeing you know companies started to invest back into their retail infrastructure, the in-store retail infrastructure quite a bit. They're catching up on the, uh, uh, of all the underinvestment that happened last year. So through the conversation we have with, with the retail experts, analysts, our customers, uh, what we are hearing is that starting Q2 and going into Q3, Q4, there's going to be a tremendous influx, influx of uh, activities and and we're really excited uh, to to see that that level of activity comes back in the marketplace. Here's a question that we received around how to get started on a platform like ours because it can be 
kind of difficult, even if you have a lot of experience, whether you do or, or, or you don't, getting started on a, on a platform like ours and getting your feet under you and starting to establish strong connections with companies and, and buyers, all of that can take time, right? So yeah. one technician asked, um, I've been on Field Nation for a year. I've submitted countless offers, but I've only received one job. I have 40 plus years of experience. Do you have any suggestions for me on how I can get started? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a commonly asked question as well. And first of all, our team uh, put together some resources that I think would be incredibly helpful. There's, there's one article called Nine Tips to Improve Your uh, Field Nation Profile. There's another one called uh, 10 Ways uh, to Get More Work on Field Nation. So I will highly encourage uh, anybody who's interested to, to know more about how to be more successful with Field Nation, how to get more work through Field Nation, to check those two articles. However, let me just add a couple of things. I have a couple of tips uh, that I personally give. I'm, I'm a big fan of these two things. Uh, first is to understand it is a marketplace. Uh, so show up as your best by completing your profile uh, with a picture, completing a background check, drug test. And especially if you have certifications and licenses, those are big pluses. Make sure that you have the, the, those certifications and license, licenses reflected in your profile. Second, it is a competitive market, but you know, start somewhere and do your best. Every job that you do uh, becomes a marketing collateral for you in your profile because we capture how you do, how you did in that last job, what ratings and feedback that you received. That becomes your marketing collateral for the next job, the next customer who's going to look at your profile and so forth. But here's another thing. Every job you do is an opportunity to be uh, on customers' preferred technici technicians network. So our we have a, a feature on the, on the buyer side. The customer can tag and put the people that they want to uh, work with in the preferred network. And once you're in their preferred network, the work from this customer will likely come to you rather than you needing to chase the work. We designed our software so our customers and technicians can build relationships, long-term mutually beneficial relationships, uh, where each committed to another uh, person, you know, person or business of success. Uh, and this committed relationship usually results in higher quality of work, higher satisfaction from both sides, so my recommendation is to go extra mile with every job that you do, build that connection and trust so you can be in customer's preferred network. Uh, so the, the, again, once you're there, the, the work will come to you rather than um, you chasing the work all the time. And, and there are some resources on our website. Uh, I, I think uh, you will find very useful there's a URL I'll, I'll mention, discover.fieldnation.com forward slash tech hyphen resources. Um, and, and that may be a, a very good place to check out and see other tips, how you can, you know, how you can improve your chances of getting more work through the, through the platform. Along those same lines, but almost on the flip side, we received a question. I have college degrees, industry certifications, tools, and years of jobs completed on the platform. 
but because it's so competitive, I feel like I'm not standing out. What does Field Nation plan to do to keep experienced and educated techs like me on the platform? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, we're working on uh, expanding ways for techs to better promote and showcase their experiences and also their, you know, soft skill, uh, because that's, that's also very important uh, for the buyers. And we are exploring ways, solutions, like, a, you know, third-party skill assessment uh, with third-party partners and, and, and stuff like that, certification validation. But I would be really interested to know if techs find, you know, this skill assessment or, or certification validation uh, valuable. You know, I would love to hear that feedback. And I'd also like to hear if our tech community have ideas what we can do uh, to, to make this, uh, you know, effective for our technician base. So that's, that's one. The other thing is that we are also working on many tools on the buyer side and provider side to uh, highlight technician skill, uh, experience, and so forth. And one of the things we recently introduced is a feature called Advanced Technician Profile. And this profile shows the buyers field verified metrics, which are more credible than self-reporting metrics. Uh, buyers will be able to see things like number of jobs completed on Field Nation broken down by types of work and when those jobs were completed and uh, buyer reviews of those specific jobs, et cetera. And, uh, and um, so I think that tool will bring out more qualified techs, uh, you know, uh, to, the, to the buyer side. Uh, but again, I'll be very interested to hear the community's thought, what we can do. Um, and we'll definitely take those into consideration as we think about what product and services we can build. Uh, but again, the, the, the last thing I would say is that we are investing so much in our you know, sales and marketing to make sure that we create the awareness in the marketplace of this amazing resource that exists in the field service market where companies can come and find the incredible technician community that we have. And so we're constantly working on bringing companies on our platform by creating these opportunities so that we can bring more work to our, our platform as well. You mentioned before that Field Nation, of course, is a marketplace. Um, but one, one trend that I've heard a couple of technicians mention or, or notice, and a question that we received is, why does it seem like companies are posting jobs at lower and lower rates? You know, I, I often hear from techs that sometimes it feels like it's a race to the bottom in terms of, of pay. Can you talk a little bit about that perception and kind of from our perspective across the entire marketplace, whether or not we're seeing that be true? Yeah, you know, it, it, it does exist. Uh, some companies are posting jobs at lower than average rates. Uh, but it's concentrated among handful of buyers. It's not pervasive across the marketplace. Most of our buyers want to provide the the market rate uh, to get qualified technician. There is a direct correlation between the the rate they offer and the quality of service they get, the the quality of technician they get. Most of our cu customers, buyers, they they understand that very well. 
But um, one of the thing I want to, you know, also mention is that if you think about the basic principles of, of supply and demand, you know, the, the skill, the technology that was at one point 10 or 15 years ago was considered rare skill, novel technology. After 10 plus years, that becomes a, a commodity, more common, uh, commonly available skill. And because there's more supply uh, available uh, than the demand. And, and that brings down the rate. So for example, the median hourly rate for you know, digital signage was, in, was increasing between 2018 and 2020, then started to drop since 2020. I don't, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that this is now a commodity skill, but that's what we are observing. But I'll give you another example. You know, 10, 15 years ago, there used to be, you know, this giant uh, cash register machine, right? Those machines need to be updated, maintained, you know, uh, all that stuff. Now these are getting replaced by iPad kind of devices. And, and customers are not calling technicians to, you know, repair this stuff. These are, uh, these are getting replaced by, you know, if there's a problem with an iPad, you replace, you know, you ship it, ship back the old one and you get a new one uh you know within a within a couple of days so there's a technology trend that kind of dictates uh what where the skill rate is just because the skill rate at one point was x it's not going to always stay at x so for example uh we are seeing that some of the skills on our marketplace especially that are specialized skill that are you know on a new newer technology uh, there is more demand than supply. And one example I'll give you is that the median hourly rate for low voltage cabling has gone up consistently since 2018. And it'll continue, it's still today, it's continuing to rise. There's a direct correlation in terms of, you know, is this skill, is this technology uh, has been out there for long enough? Or is it a newer technology skill is, 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 is in high demand? And, and the supply, you know, how is that supply in the marketplace? So, so, so short answer, sorry, it's a long way to say that some of the skill probably declining a little bit, some of the skill is actually on the rise. Along those same lines of the low paying jobs, which again, might be in the sweet spot for some technicians and, and not for others. Um, one question that we received is, what can Field Nation do to make it easier for skilled techs like me to filter out those low-paying jobs so we don't have to waste so much time trying to find a job with reasonable pay? It's a great question. You know, one design principle for us is that we, in a marketplace, our technicians are joining the platform to get opportunities. We want to over-communicate about the opportunities rather than under-communicate. Uh, but I completely understand that this may be too much for some technicians. And so our product team is planning to bring a new flight board experience uh, very soon uh, to, uh, to the providers uh, that, will, that will offer the ability to um, have safe searches and filters, making it easy so that you can filter out the work that you don't want to see doesn't show up, the work that you want to see shows up, et cetera. But I'll also say that the new provider pro package that we 
just introduced have a really awesome feature um, called Smart Match. What it does is that you basically configure uh, the Smart Match feature with by telling it what kind of jobs you want, what fits your skill set, the price rate, uh, etc. And it brings those kind of jobs to you uh, when the job gets published and we'll, you'll be notified. So that actually solves uh, that problem that, you know, I don't want to get notified for everything. I, don't, I, I, I want certain types of job. Smart Match actually does a really, really good job uh, addressing that issue. I'm really glad that you brought up Smart Match because we also received a couple of questions um, that I think will allow us to to clarify what Smart Match does and does not do. So a technician asked us, why is a new tech who pays for that pro package that you mentioned able to get access to a work order before me, a tech who's been on the platform for years? Yeah, there are some misconceptions about this. Provider Pro Package has a new feature called Smart Match. And the way it works is that, again, as I mentioned, you can tell Smart Match uh, what kind of jobs you like. And instead of you manually searching and combing through list of work, the, this smart match, smart match feature brings those jobs uh, that meets the criteria to you. It does not automatically assign or award a job to a technician. This tool is really about efficiency, you know, making it efficient to find the job that you really want. But it does not prior, you know, it does not give priority to technician who have pro versus who does not have a pro feature. Our job is to bring the best and qualified technician to the customer. And ultimately, it's the buyer who makes the call, who gets assigned to the job and who doesn't. It's not, uh, it's not the pro, it's not the smart side, it's not Phil Nation who makes that call, it's the buyer who makes that call. To shift gears a little bit, um... This is probably the most common question that we received. Uh, why does Field Nation charge the 10% fee on expenses? I have no issue with a fee on the labor, but why does that fee also apply to expenses? That's a great question. There are multiple different values that we bring to our technicians. We are your sales and marketing force. We bring opportunities to you. But also another huge value we provide is that we provide the back office management. We collect the payments on your behalf. We ensure um, insurance and other risk mitigation tools where it's applicable. We process the payment for you. We issue 1099s. We provide 24-7 support. We provide mediation when there is a dispute. Not to mention we provide the software that facilitates the entire work coordination, communication of the work. And we take 10% for the total value we provide to you for your sales and marketing force, being your back office, being your software provider, et cetera. It gets really messy real soon if we start piecemeal the fees. I would ask anyone, our users, to think and ask that the fee that you pay to us and the total value you get is that fair? Rather than piecemealing it, think about the whole value you get and the fee that you pay. Is that fair co uh, compared to the 
the entire value you're getting from us. That's the best way to think about it. Like I said, you know, piecemealing is, is, is very difficult and it gets very messy um, when we start doing that. I think it's an important point that you just made, Manuel, about if technicians weren't utilizing all of the kind of front office and the back office services that we provide, the alternative would be doing it on your own. And the, the cost and the time involved in doing your own sales, your own marketing, building your own relationships, making your own new connections, in addition to managing the, the work and the taxes and the mediation and the payment and all of that on the back end, um, it's also worth kind of evaluating the convenience of doing that on a platform like Field Nation versus trying to do all of that on your own. Is that fair? That's totally fair, Melissa. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you if we put a price on, you know, each of these things that we provide, then you could say, hey, this is undervalued, this is overvalued, this is this, this is that. That's why it's best to look at the whole thing and say, is 10% fair for everything that I'm getting from Field Nation? Along the same lines of the fee, we also had a couple of questions about the insurance fee. So one tech asked, how do techs benefit from the 1.5% insurance fee that I see on every work order? This 1.5% insurance covers you with a million dollar damage, general liability and, and professional liability, and the $10 million umbrella. Now, let me explain this a little bit more. The GLPL, the general liability and professional liability, covers damage to physical properties. So you go on site, you do, you know, you are working, and then all of a sudden something, you know, terrible happens. And 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 let's say somebody else got hurt as well as you're doing the doing your job. This is a peace of mind that up to a million dollar you are covered. You don't have to you know, you don't have to worry about anything. You're covered with Field Nation. You you know, the, the customer or you file the claim with us and we, we take care of all of that. However, I will tell you, if you have your, you know, if you do a lot of work with Field Nation, it may make sense for you to have your own policy and that may be cheaper. But if you do, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, $40,000 work with Field Nation, I think, this 1.5% is still cheaper than having your own insurance. But I would, I would encourage you to do your own, uh, you know, run your own numbers and see what makes sense, whether you should have your own insurance or not. By the way, if you do have your own insurance and you upload that uh, certificate of insurance, you're, you're exempt from this 1.5%. This is actually a good example where, you know, we are separating the fee because we can separate the fee. If you provide your own insurance, we don't want to charge you a fee. In this case, we, we don't charge 1.5 if you provide your insurance. But if you don't have insurance, you're covered with us, we take 1.5%. I'd like to now shift gears a little bit, um, if we can. Um, probably the second most common question that we received um, from technicians is around the idea of payment terms and why Field Nation introduced payment terms in the first place and sharing with us that that in doing so, it created a lot of stress on them having to wait so long to get paid when they were used to the twice weekly payments 
before. So can you just talk a little bit about why payment terms were introduced in the first place and kind of what we're seeing from a marketplace perspective on how many work orders actually have payment terms and how many of those that don't? Good question. So what is payment term? I think let's make that clear to everybody. Payment terms means that you know we pay providers when buyers pay us. And this was actually planned long before uh, the pandemic started. However, pandemic did accelerate our timeline timeline in terms of implementation. So that's that's number one. Number two is that it's important to understand, you know, how prolific, how widespread, or, or lack of it, the pa- payment terms in the marketplace. There is only thirty to maybe forty percent of all our work may have a payment term. That means vast majority, 60-70% of our work does not have payment terms with it. So what happens with the 30-40% work that has payment terms? That means the customers do not pay us right away. We have some sort of terms with those customers and and we pay the technician according to the customer terms, but it it never exceeds more than 14 days. You know, we have a cap. We we capped it. Regardless of our you know, payment term with the customer, the worst the worst it can go get is 14 days. That's the cap. Now let's explain why we made this change. So when when the customer have payment terms and we are paying the technician right away with you know twice a week before uh, the pandemic, we were kind of acting like a bank. We we're floating the payment before we receive the fund from the from the customer, and it worked well. Uh, when we were a smaller company, and but it's very challenging to do that at scale. And it's also limiting us from accepting customers that need terms. And our number one goal in the marketplace is to bring more opportunities to our, our technician. And one important thing I want to mention is that, you know, we did some survey and we found vast majority of our technicians, the number one uh, ask from Phil Nation is to get more work. Only about you know 25, 30% of our technician pointed out they like to get paid faster, maybe even same day if possible. So to enable more work in the marketplace, to accept more buyers uh, uh, that may need some payment terms with us, we we introduced this feature where you know the payment terms is aligned how we receive the payment from the customer and how we pay the, the, the technician. Uh, but, but also it's important to uh, know that getting paid quickly is not only dependent on, on the buyer paying us quickly, but it's also dependent on how quickly the buyers are approving the work. It is equally important for buyers to approve work in a timely manner. You know, it doesn't matter if we pay technician quickly, but the buyers take, you know, weeks to approve work orders. That the the delay is the same delay, no matter where in the process that delay comes from. So, we uh, recently introduced a feature called Smart Audit Approval Automation, and this is to help our buyers with a large volume. A lot of time, the problem for buyers is that it's not that they don't want to approve work order quickly. It's just they have such big backlog that they can get through work orders quickly. They can get through review of the work orders. 
and approval of the work orders quickly. So we introduced an auto, amazing automation feature called Smart Audit that the buyers can um, you know, configure it with, it's a rule-based system and they can configure it however they want, what are the criteria for approval and our system automatically approves the work order that meets the buyer criteria without anybody looking at it. And that's you know, accelerating approval which actually means faster payment to the technician. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody understand it is that the payment term is not uh, happening in the majority of work order, actually don't have any payment terms. Uh, and also we're taking a lot of steps to make sure the buyers approve the work order as fast as possible. I think it's it's also worth noting, Manuel, that for techs who don't do work on our platform and who have relationships with buyers directly um, outside of a, a platform type environment, that they're often dealing with payment terms that can run net 30, net 60, sometimes even longer. Um, and again, just the, the time having to spend tracking those payments and to go back to the buyer to make sure that you receive the payment, all of that, um, all of those things that happen within the platform, you'd have to be doing on your own and it would be it'd be far more difficult. That's, that's right, Melissa. You know, I, I think you pointed out a really good uh, data point. Like, you know, if, you, if the work happens off platform, typically uh, a, a vendor, a contractor will have to wait net 30, 60, 90, et cetera. Uh, in our case, even the worst wait would be payment term wait would be net 14. Um, it's capped at that. But again, vast majority of our work orders are getting approval and getting paid much sooner than that. One interesting thing that I, I heard on a conversation with a buyer earlier this week was that among their end customers who are you know, large national retailers, that their end customers are actually asking them to push payment terms to net 60, to net 90, and that they're actually expecting those types of even longer payment terms um, to, to stay. That's not gonna, not expected to be a temporary thing due to COVID. And so, it's interesting to see that the trends with those longer payment terms happening much farther upstream than Field Nation, than our buyers, it's actually happening among the end customers who are taking sometimes three months to pay our customers, who then have to pay us, who then have to pay the technicians. So it's, it's interesting to see how all of those, those changes and trends cascade down to the technician. Totally. Um, one question that we received that I think it's important to clarify this technician said, some companies I talked to said that as soon as they approve the work order, the money comes out of their account. So why do I have to wait three plus weeks to get paid? Yeah, if the money comes off of someone's account, you shouldn't be waiting three plus weeks. So, um, because we don't hold payment, we don't hold funds. Uh, so let me explain how it works. We invoice clients on approved work orders every Friday for all the approved work orders and they give us the fund according to the payment terms that we have with, with, you know, with between the client and Phil Nation. And we pay our tax Friday after we receive funds. So we don't hold funds. And there is an option, if you want to receive funds faster, you know, maybe even same day, there's an option to do that uh, through Phil Nation Pro. Uh, with Pro, you can get paid right away on any approved work orders. Uh, meaning you can skip any payment terms, uh, payment term period that, that, that may be in the work order. But, you know, again, I, I wanted to make sure it's clear. We don't hold funds. 
if the fund is available from if we secure the fund from the customer we pay on on friday when the payment gets processed if you could clarify one thing for for our audience manual because i i've heard some speculation on this front one tech asked did you introduce payment terms just to get us to pay more for Field Nation Pro. Can you talk a little bit about the, the timing of COVID and introducing payment terms and then introducing the Field Nation Pro option? Uh, no, the short answer is absolutely not. Uh, you know, Pro was in the works long before uh, COVID-19 pandemic started. You know, we, uh, we started working on Pro sometime in 2018. We did a survey uh, to about you know, 500 providers back in to, to, uh, 2019. And what we found is that only 30% techs, you know, said that they value getting paid immediately. That's important to them. That's the number one thing that they want from Seal Nation, getting paid immediately. But that's only 30% techs. 70% techs mentioned that's not their number one requirement. And, um, that 30% who said they need the money right away, they also uh, showed that they're willing to pay a small fee to get that fund faster to them. Uh, and this fee helps offset the risk and, and, the, and the cost associated with the, uh, the fund uh, to float the, the payment to the, to the providers. So I'm going to switch gears on you again here, Manuel, and kind of shift over to a couple of questions that we received around support. Um, one tech said, in my experience, Field Nation always takes the buyer's side. So I would like to understand how the support process actually works and how I as the tech stand to benefit. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And, and honestly, I heard same from the buyer side saying, we take provider, provider side. So the, some providers say we take buyer side, some buyers say we take provider side. And our goal is not to take any side. The goal of Phil Nation is to maintain the marketplace integrity. We don't really gain anything by taking side. It's always best when there's a situation happens, it's always best to resolve the dispute by you know, buyers and providers directly communicating with each other. Uh, but when that attempt doesn't resolve, uh, then you can get escalated to us and support gets involved. And I'm sure everybody understands that there's every story, every dispute has two sides, right? And our job is to create the space where both parties can be heard and they can hear from each other as objectively as possible. We certainly try to be objective in this process and try to find a common ground. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes this disputes you know, goes from, you know, we try to be objective, but it gets emotional and, and stuff like that. You know, our job is to be neutral, third party, try to resolve that as amicably as possible. But it, it's, it's, it's important to understand also that in a lot of time, these disputes get into the he said, she said situation. And it's incredibly difficult for us based on that he said, she said stories, right? So what we try to do, uh, the Phil Nation support, we try to look at what is documented inside the work order. 
what communication was transmitted through our uh, messages inside the lower quarter. So that's why it's really important for our technicians and our customers to document all the changes through the work order because that's the way we can you know look at things evidence-based and try to resolve it based on evidence not based on uh you know this this side story or that side stories and stuff like that um i also wanted to call out because i i, I don't think a lot of techs know this but um, everyone on our support team, they're actually Field Nation employees. So it's its not uncommon for most other companies to outsource the support function or the customer service function to a, a contract team or a contract organization. But I think it's worth mentioning that that these are our employees. They, they know our customers inside and out. They know our platform inside and out. And they're genuinely invested in providing answers and helping to find a resolution. So I I just wanted to make that point because I, I think a lot of techs maybe don't realize that. Um, along those same lines, um, one tech asked a question that I think is a really good one. And they said, why can techs be penalized for lateness and lack of preparation, but it seems like buyers only have estimated approval time and target approval days with seemingly no consequences for extending beyond these targets? Why is that? Yeah, it's a really good question. Sometimes it's not visible what we do, but our team does a lot of things behind the scene, try to educate the customer, drive the pos positive behavior uh, from the customers. You know, especially our customer success team uh, meets with our top customers regularly and use that meeting platform uh, to course correct. We bring a lot of data with us, we show you know, how soon they're approving work orders, what kind of ratings and feedback they're getting from the technicians, what's their rate, uh, you know, price point compared to the market, what kind of uh, ratings and feedback they're getting compared to the market, all of that stuff to make sure our customers can do, do better. Uh, they can correct the course. And most of our buyers genuinely want to be good stewards of the marketplace. They know that you know, just like providers, if the buyer misbehaves, that gets spread out, that people get to know, the technician get to know about that buyer, and they'll have a hard time getting good quality technician uh, to take their job. Um, but there's a lot of things that we do behind the scene to educate our customers and train them and, and hold them accountable uh, to, uh, to do the right behavior. The thing that is different with buyers compared to technician is that buyer organization, it's an organization, right? There's a lot of dispatchers. So there may be one dispatcher not doing things right. You don't want to ban the entire company because of one person's behavior. You want to educate the buyer uh, and educate that dispatcher how to correct course. But, you know, that's the only way to do it. If you take a radical action, you say, you know, one dispatcher did something wrong and you ban the whole you know, buyer company, now you're depriving the whole community uh, from hundreds and thousands of jobs that could have come from that company. And it's not the, it's not the right uh, course of action either. It's, it, it's the right course of action for that example would be for us to get involved, work with the buyer organization, 
teach the dispatch team, uh, tell the, the supervisor, you know, what need to be changed from the buyer organization. Okay, Manuel, here is your, your last question now that we've reached the, the end of our AMA. And I, I actually really love this question. Uh, a technician wanted to know, knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently when you started Field Nation? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, Field Nation today is, is nothing like Field Nation when I started. Uh, this is to say we are constantly learning and evolving. Uh, we are an incredibly learning organization. We know uh, the only way we can be the best and stay best uh, at what we do by constantly evolving based on what works, what doesn't work, what challenges the market is facing and how can how best we can address that so th there is no one thing melissa i can you know look back and say i wish i could have done that differently uh, there's a lot of things we look back and say that was dumb that was wrong uh that was stupid <laughs> and and we we continuously changing all those things and and uh nothing today looks the same as what, what we started one thing is constant and sacred is our mission uh you know which is you know we are breaking the barriers for work so we can unleash opportunities for everybody this is this is you know i hold it true uh and and passionately in my heart the company holds it you know sacred in our hearts this this, this mission but we know that how we fulfill that mission is going to constantly evolve and it is evolving all the time. I love that. So on that, um, that brings us to the end of our very first AMA with Field Nation founder and CEO, Mainul Khan. Um, as mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, please check out the transcript of this recording for some links to the resources that we discussed and stay tuned for more exciting things coming your way. We'll see you next time.